I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Feel Good Friday, our weekly segment where we dive into the weird and wild news in the world of health. This week, rage, east versus west, teeny tiny heartbreaks, deputy Jeff to the rescue, and double D's, please. Oh, God. Oh, you guys didn't like that? made me uncomfortable. (laughs) Made my butthole pucker. Why? You didn't like that? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it made me it just like I don't know. Double keys, please. It just reminded me of like yeah. like a like a like a porn video that you just like immediately regret. I think Ooh. I kind of like it though. I don't know. Like oh, there's God. something I like about. It. Oh, you like a little too much there, Brian. Yeah, sorry. All right. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, this is a serious CBC show, so let's get serious. Uh, it's not helpful for me that this is on YouTube because everybody can see what just happened to me. <laughs> right. If um, they go and it watch, it is embarrassing. Guys, uh, first of all, I wanted, I just want to say, shout out to the fucking comment section on YouTube. Dude, shout Popping out. off. Shout out. Last week, popped, I mean, it was popping off. We had three comments last week. Whoa. Someone even said, really? comment sections popping off. And I think it was, and, and, I think there was two at that point, and then I think you added a third. And yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I said. Somebody else also said, look at the comment <laughs> section go, and I was like, it was one person off. before that. But yeah, so, so really, I mean, but hey, whatever. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's still good. I, uh, I, but I, but I, on top of that, I want to say um, these, uh, these Feel Good Friday episodes for the last couple of weeks, they've been very fun. I've been really enjoying the prep. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've always enjoyed the prep for Feel Good Friday. I love bringing stuff to like, you know, to, 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 uh, to sprinkle o- over you guys, uh, interesting facts and weird, wild stuff. But I've been really like, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I've just been feeling really stoked about the stuff that's, that's coming up on the show. I got another one today that I really fucking love. And it's, uh, we're going to, we're like, we're going to go a little bit research heavy for a couple of segments today. But this first one. I think is, uh, is very, very cool. So we're going to be talking about the, the implications of rage on our health. Um, but we're oh, going to be talking about it. Be it's got to be bad. We're going to be talking about it from a, from a cultural perspective. So of, of, the, of the uprising new rage room uh, facilities in cities. Uh, uh, no, actually, you know what? I feel like that's a healthy rage. We're going to be talking totally. about unhealthy rage. Oh, okay. That's like a safe outlet. Yeah, we're going to okay. be talking about like... <laughs> yeah it's more nick okay. cage there love some nick cage okay oh, I, didn't I, even, I didn't even clock that yeah. that's wonderful of course um, it is. so like not to get ahead of ourselves but uh i think that we should approach this through the eyes of of the question of whether or not rage rooms are a, a net positive to cities okay. or yeah. a net negative okay that's a great that's great uh put a pin in that and let's okay. bring it up at the end after we go through this okay perfect. i'm actually curious about what your thoughts will be Great. So this is a this is from a study published in Psychological Science. Um, the title of the uh, article is "Anger Expression and Ill Health in Two Cultures: An Examination of Inflammation and Cardiovascular Risk." Mm. 
Now, I was going to start this by asking you guys, do you guys think that anger can have an effect, a negative effect on our health? Um, yes. I, I feel like I sort of, sort of spoiled it there. But what would you say outside of the uh, what I just read there? Like, what would what what do you think you would have sort of guessed? If I was to say, like, from my own personal experience, I know that if I end up in a situation where, and this is very anecdotal, but like if I get very angry, I feel, you know, my heart rate increases, my sort of in I have like an inability to like articulate or communicate my thoughts in that situation. So I'm feeling a very physical reaction to it. And in a way that sort of like inhibits my ability to like function as like a rational, thoughtful adult. And so when I feel that, I assume that that, you know, extended over uh, a duration of time then results in, in more negative health outcomes. And the reason that that is I'm I'm assuming that this is probably going to be part of what Jer's what what Jer's going to bring up in this article is when you um you know not that there's not that there's not a time like a pro, like an like an appropriate time to be angry because there definitely is it's an emotion that you have and sure. you, know, yeah, you yeah. express it yeah. in certain moments and there's times where that's appropriate and necessary and helpful but a lot of the time I would say most of the time that most people are angry is at an is at an unnecessary time and what that emotion will do to your nervous system is it will trigger a nervous system that's not appropriate for the current actual physical setting that you're in, meaning that your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight response is triggered in a, in a, in a, in an environment where your fight or flight response is not necessary. It's not helpful to Mm. you and your fight or flight response is inducing stress. And when you induce stress, in an environment that doesn't require stress to solve the situation or circumstance that you're in that has negative health outcomes. And over prolonged periods of time, stress is, I think the number one killer of people everywhere. Do you think just, just a quick thought, and I I don't want to go too far down this road, but it, it makes me wonder, is anger a beneficial emotion to have in the situation or is it more beneficial to sort of like look at that experience of anger that you feel and then try to understand it and learn from that rather than, you know, like looking at like anger itself being well, beneficial. Um, uh, this coming Monday, we are releasing an episode um, from our live recording with Dr. Gabor Mate from Vancouver. We're very excited for people to see it. It's going to be on YouTube. The video looks amazing. Brian's working on it now. And we talked, uh, we talked about some of the stuff that, that has, that's in his latest book, The Myth of Normal. And in The Myth of Normal, there's actually a, there's actually a whole chapter about anger and the, the ways of, the ways of in, introducing healthy anger into your day-to-day. Um, so, so I think that the, there is an argument for anger being a very valid and healthy emotion. Um, but I think, again, it kind of stems based on what you were saying there, Tab, like, the context that which where that anger arises, how you relate to that anger, how you control mm-hmm. that anger, yada yada. Now, also to what you were saying there, Taylor, when people get angry, um, adrenaline rises, cortisol levels rise. I just quickly googled what are the symptoms of high cortisol levels. Didn't know this. Interesting. Weight gain, especially in your face and abdomen. Uh, fatty deposits between your shoulder blades. These are very specific. Mm. It's uh, because you just like tighten your body. Yeah, like, maybe. Oh, Wide mm. purple stretch marks on your abdomen. Um, huh. Muscle weakness in your upper arms and thighs. High huh. blood sugar, which often turns into type 2 diabetes. So, I mean, there's a bunch of like... And that's all like, those are all... It's It says it says anger. It doesn't necessarily need to be anger. Those are all stress. Those are all like 
like that's specific cortisol, right? Which, right. which, which is a symptom of, yes. which is a symptom yeah. of stress, which it sometimes is like, yeah. it's like you need to be stressed. You need to, yeah. you need to fight or fly. Right. Yes, that's right. But in the moment when you are in that state over like, you know, sometimes you just, stay, you do, people are, some people live in that state yeah. all the time, like yeah. perpetually. And then that like, in those, those experiences is yeah. where you're going to get, um, those things showing up totally physically. Yeah. I run like I, for, for a long time I ran on my, my fuel was anger. I ran on anger and, uh, and I'm just starting to like realize that now as a 36 year old and like work through that now, but let's get to this study. Because well, good thing that it happened, you know, that you started, God damn to, it, can that I you talk? Said, <laughs> you started to recognize that soon after you stopped being malnourished. <laughs> <laughs> because if you had been if you had been if you had been like running all like this high cortisol level before like and you you weren't malnourished your whole life yeah then your face would be seven times its size oh, dude if i didn't have cf i'd be just i'd be uh i man i would look very different smoking 10 packs a day fucking fat as a fat just like live just, hard die, live live hard die oh out, yeah you know dude. What I mean? yeah yeah anyway the study uh, that we were going to look at, anger, anger Expression and Ill Health in Two Cultures, cast a spotlight on how the expression of anger impacts our health, but with a little bit of a twist. It differs very starkly between Western and Eastern cultures, specifically between, in this study, they looked at Americans and Japanese. The research hinges on the idea that cultural context in which anger is expressed profoundly influences its health implications. Okay. So in Western cultures, and you know, particularly we're talking about the U S but we can talk about Canada too, because we're basically, we're, we're basically like, the, like, the, the like the, you know, the liberal cuck version of the U S um, <laughs> Trudeau. <laughs> um, uh, wait, are, are CBC pro Trudeau? I feel like I'm, um, yeah, we are. You can't say that. Uh, uh, I feel like CBC is pro whoever's in office because they pay. Actually, CBC is pro whoever's given us fucking funding. And right <laughs> now, um, well, CBC took some cuts. I think I don't think it's fucking a big surprise. And who's who's sitting on the throne? Who's sitting on the throne? Trudeau. Yeah. So we should bring Trump up to yeah. Canada. I feel like think, Trump, think, I think what you will. <laughs> I think we should yeah. avoid talking. Draw about your own. <laughs> draw, you know what? Draw, do your own research. Draw your own conclusions. Uh, by the way. I, I don't lean anyway. Okay. So anyway, uh, I don't uh, even pay attention. I'm sure there's people that listen. Like I've been joking about this Trudeau stuff for a little while. And I'm sure people know, are like, he's right. He's all right. It's, um, it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, I know okay, you. So in Western cultures, particularly in the United States, expressing anger is often linked with a range of biological health risks, also known as BHRs. These risks include elevated levels of pro-inflammatory markers like interleukin-6 and C-reactive protein and indicators of cardiovascular malfunction, such as high systolic blood pressure and unfavorable total HDL cholesterol ratios. The study suggests that in these contexts, anger often rises from personal frustrations and unmet goals, leading to stress, a stress response that negatively impacts physical health. Okay, so that's the U.S., in contrast, the study found that in Japan, a culture that highly values social harmony and where anger expression is generally discouraged, the health implications of expressing anger are strikingly different. For Japanese individuals, especially those with higher social status, 
expressing anger can be an assertion of power and dominance. Intriguingly, for these individuals, anger expression is associated with reduced biological health risks. This could be because in this cultural setting, displaying anger might reflect a sense of empowerment and control, which are actually beneficial for health. So it's kind of like those, um, you know, that those fucking fascinating. It might, rant, might also the, come out at more appropriate times as a result. Sure. Right. Like, so, you or, know, the, I mean, the or inappropriate. That, uh, I mean, I, I will say that I'll, 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 I'll kind of. Never mind. I'll, uh, but hold on. <laughs> I, I will, I will, I will, I will push back on that in the sense that. You know, if you're thinking about someone who's who's a higher social status and they're using anger to like assert power and dominance, that also seems a bit um sure. Yeah. Unnecessary, right? Maybe not like maybe not the correct way of going about anger. Anyway, sorry, Brad. I had a better um analogy of a proper time, which is when two rams are about to butt heads. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, one is like, I mean, they they're probably like experiencing some form of anger. Dude, I'm, I love anthropomorphic watching rams sizing them. Ram. And uh and Pretty interesting. And they clash into each other. My favorite then, is the, the moment where they both at the same time are floating. Right. They come yeah. up and they both yeah. float and then they fucking go. Right. And God, the, I wish I had a clip. When they, when they stop and like one sort of like concedes to the other and sort of whimpers off. Do they get CTE? I, don't, I think they're biologically designed to like handle that pretty well, but yeah. I, I don't know anything i would also make that assumption but i have no idea i mean they're doing it all the time so i mean you gotta think they're built for it but who knows (laughs) so i want to uh that's good anger right i want to uh before yeah i mean well that's that's like that's like i'm fighting for to pass on my genes yeah and they're asserting their power in a productive way yeah yeah um, I would imagine, yeah. I would like to, uh, before we get into like the <laughs> the significant findings of the study, I would like to just take a moment to just kind of uh, to help the listener and to help us put all this into context. Let's take a look at two examples of anger being expressed in the U.S. and anger being expressed in Japan. Okay, I'm sure so it looks very here, fun in the U.S. Here, well, actually, you know, before we do that, let's here. I, let, let's do this uh, before I show you ang- uh, U.S. anger and and uh, and Japanese anger. I'll show, I'll show everybody, um, I will show everybody, uh, snack labs, snack labs slash sick boy anger. Okay. So here's Brian when Brian is feeling very angry. (laughs) That is, that is me feeling very angry. You can see the way that the expression on my face looks. The the way that your shirt is shaped there, it looks like you just got your paddling lats back. I still have them. That's uh, oh, a okay. that's not a that's not a trickery of the camera. That oh, is a yeah. right. Okay, you're just you are you are just V shaped like that. That um, is right. Yes. So here is Taylor when Taylor is angry. Now, now Taylor looks like Taylor doesn't look as as angry as much as he looks like someone took a uh, uh, one of those things where you fill the tire pressure up of your car and they rammed it up his butt <laughs> and then they. They pumped they, they pumped him up to mm-hmm. to six hundred psi. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like he's uh, doing like the people's eyebrow. Right? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. a it's a heavy people's eyebrow. Yeah, and I can see how you would get fat deposits between your shoulders doing that. Yeah, totally. Now again, so we have Brian and Taylor, right? We've got these two angry. To be honest with you, both of these both of these expressions of anger are kind of uh, endearing. I'm kind of like disappointed. I think. Yeah, yeah. More like I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. Well, no, no. When you're angry, you, Brian, you, you do look, that. You pout pow- like that. You look very yeah. pouty. It's fucking. It's am, weird. Yeah. You pout. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, now, I've, now I remember when I told you guys uh, just a moment ago that I run on anger, so I'm very familiar with anger. Yeah, I feel like this is a pretty pretty accurate representation of anger right here. 
And there we go. Oh my god, dude, I just got uh, PTSD from all of the times you've been sitting at your computer and either smash your keyboard or like <laughs> or like hit your dog and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Our yeah. coffee table is pretty <laughs> pretty well, banged up. I did kick I did kick a hole through our coffee table in anger. That was yeah. pre therapy. That was Jeremy. yeah. yeah. That, that was actually height of Jeremy's uh, mental health crisis. Yeah, and we keep the table as a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck. Um, so, so that's us in anger. Now let's take a look at um, like just, just mwah, the fucking chef's kiss of American anger. Here we go. And five, four, <laughs> three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again. Five, I, everyone four, knows that feeling. Three, right? <laughs> I love this clip. That's so tomorrow, much. and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. Oh, we'll I see. can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Uh -oh. No. We'll do it live. Uh -oh. Fuck it. Oh. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Now I will say this. I feel like this. He he was Five, able to channel four, his anger because watch three. watch the result here. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Fucking nailed it. Right now, watch. Now watch. He is pissed. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever watched the, I don't think I've ever watched the end of that clip where he gets up. Fucking <laughs> throws his mic across the set. Okay, so that's um that is American Anger. Okay. Now let's take a look at uh, that at unadulterated Japanese anger. Right. I'm familiar this guy's, with this. This guy's about to blow. Right? He seems composed though. Never mind. Very rude, um, and uh, and this is how the anger is dealt with. Okay, and uh, that gentleman's head was just sliced off with a samurai sword, and uh, I don't think he effectively asserted his dominance yet. So here's what I'll say: after I watched this clip, I thought I thought this was very interesting. Man, I haven't seen Kill Bill in a while. This is what I think is interesting about that, and I and this is my big takeaway. So the the American anger, Bill Bill O'Reilly. His cortisol levels were up. They probably stayed up, and he's probably not doing too good. He's probably a bit unhealthy. Bill O'Reilly certainly has big cardiovascular issues. I would in say his so. Yeah. Now this gentleman here, um, I would say that uh, he didn't even have a chance to have his cortisol levels rise because somebody sliced his fucking head off. So, and I don't think in this study mm -hmm. they took that into account. <clears throat> like how many Japanese people get their heads cut off shortly after becoming angry. Right. So exactly. Which I think would skew the results of this test. Right. Because there's nobody, of course there's nobody not alive. There's nobody yeah. left alive yeah. to study. I mean, based on the evidence that we just saw, I feel like that would be an appropriate conclusion to yeah, come to. Like a, probably yeah. a broad population representation. So yeah. the study's findings are significant for several reasons. Um, so you mean significantly flawed for yes, several yeah. reasons. So let's go into cultural moderation of anger's health impact. It challenges the previously held assumption that expressing anger is universally detrimental to health. Instead, it posits that cultural context plays a crucial or sorry, critical role in determining whether anger expression is harmful or beneficial. We also have differing social interpretation, interpretations of anger. So in the U.S., anger expression is seen as a reflection of negative experiences and personal frustrations, 
potentially leading to chronic stress and its obvious associated health risks. In Japan, anger can be a symbol of uh, social status and power, which might confer a sense of control and reduce stress. Imagine going to a rage room in Japan and it's it's just themed like a boardroom of an office and they're just like, you know, like when you go to a shooting range and there's targets, yeah. instead it's just targets on the backs of chairs and you you just yell at them. Yeah. It's really interesting because I, I think I think at the outset, after just hearing um, sort of like the cultural differences with expressing anger um, and not knowing that there is a... Um, a skew in, in the positive or negative direction, um, for either. I would have guessed that the, I would have guessed that the negative impacts were actually higher in Japan with the lower expressions with the uh, less frequent expressions of anger because of the, um, because of like the impact of not expressing an emotion when it arises. But I suppose even deeper than that, there is a, <clears throat> there are cultural factors at play that make it so that anger actually tends to arise far less frequently do you think in, in people. I'm a, that's what it sounds like to me. Do you think there's statistics of, of which country is on average the most angry country? Ooh. I bet there is. I bet you there what is. What would you guess? America. America sounds like it would be the one, but I feel like... Uh, we got it. Chart the most angriest countries. Uh, hold on. Now, now I, I don't I, look. What I, would you guess after America? I think everybody else is pretty chill, relative. Really? Hmm. It's probably. It's. I don't think it's what oh, you guys think. Um, Angry. Hmm. Uh, the United Kingdom. Let me let me read this just to make sure that we're not putting like uh, 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 misinformation out there in the world. But uh, this it is happens. from uh, Statista dot Statista is good. They're, uh, they're uh, nearly everybody experiences anger in everyday life, whether it's frustrations about meeting, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Gallup. Um, uh, Gallup. Germany, guys, by the way that they speak. Gallup they found sound that, angry, but I think they're kind of chill. Uh, okay, so Gallup's 2021 Global Emotions Report set out to gauge emotions, including anger levels in more than 100 countries around the globe. Anger tends to manifest itself more often in certain parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East and Near East. So, the angry, the, according to Gallup uh, on Statista.com, the world's angriest countries, countries where the highest share of respondents experienced anger on the day previous to the survey. Uh, this is from 2021 to 2022. Um, Lebanon, number one. Interesting. Followed by Turkey, followed by Armenia, followed by Iraq, Afghanistan, Jordan, Mali, and Sierra Leone. Mali? Mm-hmm. Oh, M-A-L-I. M-A-L-I. I was thinking M-O-L-L-Y. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that would not be angry. That that sounds like a real happy that place. That sounds a real happy place. Yeah. That's interesting. I yeah. um I wonder if it has to do with how also this, a lot of like there's survey. you know, Lebanon, a lot of lot of like a lot of um a lot of uh you know um <clears throat> Lebanon, a lot of Turkey, war, a lot of like economic a lot of, turmoil. Yeah, turmoil. Um, I I wonder though too if it, if I was in Iraq or Afghanistan, I would be fucking pissed. But you considering know, um, for the last fucking thirty years, considering um, considering the cultural relationship to the like the, the however the question was asked, if if they're asking and they're saying in that region that 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 that's where the results tend to be higher, and they're asking the question of, um, did you experience anger yesterday? And that's the gauge. Um, I wonder if it depends on how they interpret anger. Like, is is anger? 
kind of similar to the whole point of this study yeah. is like culturally, you know, <clears throat> what does, yeah. What culture, because what we does sort of perceive, and like you've made this point, um, in this, in this research, anger in the Western world yeah. is perceived to be a negative thing. I feel like Italians are always fucking angry. I've never met a not angry I Italian. I would say, I would, so I would, I hear what you're saying, Italian, but I would go with passionate. I would, I would, I would, I would say passionate instead of angry. I, man, it I, seems to be a skew towards something else that's not quite just fully yeah, angry. Well, I, I, when I was in Italy last, I took, I just, I, I mean, I just happened to be in a, in a, uh, in a grocery store and I took, I took a, a thing of um, spaghetti noodles that were dry, like dry spaghetti noodles, and I just snapped them in half. As you do, as everyone does, because it's it makes it easier to eat. The whole I got kicked out of the fucking grocery store. I got yelled at. No idea what it was, what they were yelling. They were very fucking angry that I snapped the spaghetti noodles. And then I put ketchup on my pizza, and one guy tried to drop kick, kick me. I don't even I don't even understand why they would do that because ketchup is basically tomato sauce. Tomato sauce. It's a sweet tomato that's sauce. That's what I said, and like that's what we do here. Um, anyway. Happiest, um, happiest, <clears throat> nicest countries. Um, <clears throat> personal experience, Morocco, uh, Indonesia, Bali specifically, and Thailand. Mm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Costa Rica, pretty happy, pretty happy folks down in Costa Rica. Brazil too. I mean, we're, we're like the places where I was in Brazil and Costa Rica. Yeah. Anyway, the study opens up an intriguing question about the role of cultural norms and practices in shaping not just our emotional expressions, but also our physical health. It suggests that our emotional experiences and expressions, such as anger, cannot be universally understood or managed without considering the cultural context in which they occur. I thought that was really interesting. Now, totally. let's come back to your question. Are rage rooms effective? Are they a net positive to cities or, or are they a net negative? I went to a rage room recently and just so happened right prior to go, like just before going, was brought into a very high, heightened state of anger. And when I came out of the rage room, I felt fucking great. It was a very mm. cathartic experience. Mm. So it was a a, 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 it was a good healthy outlet. outlet for your yeah. anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I it's like screaming into a pillow. That was my initial thought. Yeah. Like when I was talking about the idea of like, is anger itself good, or is understanding anger and why you mm -hmm. feel that mm -hmm. way the actual benefit of it? Yeah. And I think, um, I think to the point of like taking the time to decompress and understand it. I feel like a tool like a rage room um, generally could be a benefit. However, if um, if it sort of conditions you to think that like smashing things is a is a good outlet mm -hmm. and you don't have this facility that's specifically designed to that. And the next time you get angry, you decide to smash a, a vase in your apartment or like you know, punch a hole through the wall, mm -hmm. then that's probably yeah. not an effective totally. outlet. Yeah. Um, that, uh, Inconclusive, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, since it's Feel Good Friday, um, I feel like uh, let's move away from anger and move into some good news, good news of the week. Uh, this, this made me very, very happy to, to see. Uh, this news is coming out of Kentucky. Probably, probably a pretty fucking angry uh, state, if you were to ask me. I, yeah, I, I feel like... What's the, the angriest uh, state? Oh, angriest state? Probably fucking Kentucky, dude. Uh, <laughs> wow, good question. Somewhere man. in the Midwest. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say somewhere Probably in the Kentucky, Midwest. Probably Kentucky, because sure. like you, like if I was from Kentucky, I'd be like, I, yeah, that fucking that that dude ruined our state. 
Um, man, Massachusetts, man, Boston, man, Boston is a uh, Boston Kentucky people are angry. Oh, Colonel, Colonel Sanders, Sanders yeah. motherfucker. Boston's yeah, angry. Right. So maybe not Massachusetts Boston, as a whole, but Boston, Boston is Boston's on edge. That's an they angry are, city yeah. for sure. Boston's on edge. I lived in Boston, and when I went to uh, sports games, I I very clearly thought to myself. I would not be caught dead in the opposing team's jersey in this city. I don't really know. I'm not 100% sure, but like I just have a gut instinct that it's Idaho. But I'm like I don't I don't have any like Oh, no, I man. Any... I think Idaho's be like Idaho be they're just they're just chill. They're they're just flatlining. You think so? Yeah, they're, they're just, just they're just along for the ride. They're like just kind of melancholy just existing. Yeah. This I mean this will get you. This, this sounds. This will get you jacked up. If you want to fucking, if you want to fucking, yeah, dude, drop, fuck up your computer keyboard. Yeah, and dude, smash a fucking. Dropkick Murphys, man. This is a, this is the source of a lot of my teenage rage. I, you know, and Texas, Texas, nicest, I think. Yeah, that's because really? it's because if you're angry in Texas, you're gonna get shot, dude. Texans, <laughs> they are, they Texans are. Texans I mean, and like, uh, uh, like North and South Carolinians. Yeah, it's like the most hospitable. Nicest pe- people, you, like yeah, as long as you're not. And then we got their, fucking Trudeau over here taking away our guns. As long <laughs> no, as you're think, not you on know, their like, bad side. On their bad like side, yeah, you, sure. If you cross them, then then pe- be prepared to stand your ground, right? Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Uh, so let's get into the good news of the week. Sounds fair to me. <laughs> a Kentucky court, a Kentucky court swears in the first paid deputy with Down syndrome. A 45 year old man with Down syndrome has been uh, has seen his dreams come true when he was recently sworn in as a paid deputy for the sheriff's office in Kentucky. Jeff Reinerson will join the security team at the Davies County Sheriff's Office, where he will be responsible for upholding security and integrity at the Judicial Center, along with his colleagues. Here's a news clip uh, from uh, from the lovely gentleman, uh, Mr. Jeff, being sworn in. This is my favorite thing ever. The newest member of the Davis County Sheriff's Office. Are you a 10 on the excitement scale? 20. 20. Uh, yeah, dude, 20. Double. That's, Jeff that's so exciting. Officer Jeff Reinerson. Uh, for people just, just listening, we are watching Jeff actually being sworn in. Deputy in a Kentucky Sheriff's Department. It's a paid integrated position. It's a position yeah. that honors and supports his strengths. This is his friend Amanda. Amanda Owen here was the one who pitched the position to the Sheriff's Office. She runs a nonprofit called Puzzle Pieces that supports folks with intellectual disabilities. She is the first lady. She's the first lady. They've been oh friends for years, and Jeff even requested that Amanda be the one to hold the Bible when oh, he swore in. That's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Swear, or you can affirm. Meanwhile, Jeff's boss is going to be Sheriff Bradley Youngman, who received guy. this pitch a few weeks ago and thought it was a no-brainer. You've seen the expression on his face as he was taking the oath. 
And I can tell you, you know, it just, it gave me chills to see the seriousness, the determination, because I just, I know Jeff and I know how much he cares about other people. So there you go. Jeff, uh, uh, Sheriff uh, Brad Youngman, who was just there, uh, spoke with the Owensboro Times and shares excitement for the new recruit, recruit. Quote, I'm very happy to have Jeff join our, our court uh, security team. Jeff has a passion for helping people and has always been interested in law enforcement. This is a great opportunity for both of us. The sheriff also explained a little more about the new deputy's role uh, that had been carefully considered to take into account Officer Reiner, uh, Reinerson's strengths and interests. Uh, due to the fact that Officer Reinerson is very much a people person, he will primarily be involved in customer services, directing visitors to the correct location, and passing on information about the court system. That's really sweet. The, uh, the position will put the law enforcer right in the public eye where he can offer advice in situations where people can be uh, but can often be a little stressed. It just goes um, to show what, well, what can is. happen to when, um, when like organizations like puzzle pieces, um, and people like Amanda step up and yeah. advocate for people like that. To yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Those jobs. yeah. yeah it's it, really uh, sweet. It, it he is, is very lowering sweet. American anger in Kentucky. That's <laughs> is, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and stress levels and improving yeah. thus cardiovascular health. it it, uh, it definitely puts like a, a much more sort of wholesome uh kind of wholesome meaning behind behind the term um, officer down repeat officer down <laughs> i thought i i thought i i thought really hardly about putting that in there because i was like is that insensitive is that mean but <laughs> no, that's that's i think it's <laughs> he has down syndrome he's now an officer and so usually when you hear officer down that's like a horror, horrifying thing but now when I think of Officer Down, I'm going to think of Jeff. What? That's is, that is really funny. Is that going to get me in trouble? I thought, I I thought it was so. cute. I think that's a good play on words. That's a good joke. Taylor? <laughs> yeah. Are we going to have to have a talk after this? <laughs> we'll talk about having a talk. Well, I thought it was cute. I thought it was a sweet... <laughs> Office down. That was from the uh, that was from the, uh, the that great movie with uh, Denzel Washington, uh, where he was a bad cop. Training day. Training day. That's it. All right, let's move on. Um, uh, Never seen it. Let's get. <laughs> let's. No yeah. shit, yeah, Brian. Yeah, obviously. By the way, also Brian, I was actually shocked that yeah, you did. Yeah. Also, Dude. Brian, that the the clip with the Japanese man who got his head cut off that Kill was from Bill. a from a movie called Kill Bill. Quentin Tarantino. He's a famous director. I thought Uma Thurman looked different in that clip, but <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember. Uh, let's uh, let's get into some more research. So. This one, man, this one was, this is, it's so funny to me looking at research papers and just thinking, holy fuck, there's someone who just, you know, someone out there is going to a fucking like dinner party and someone's going to go, so what do you do for a living? And they tell them that this is what they do. And I think that's hilarious. So <laughs> this is a, this is from a paper published in Plus Genetics. Uh, the title is Failure to mate enhances investment in behaviors that may promote mating reward and impairs the ability to cope with stressors via subpopulation of neuropeptide F receptor neurons. Okay. Dude, I don't even know. I've, I I usually all, digest that stuff pretty well. I don't know what you said. First of all, shorten the title. I think I, Second I, of all, I, think I got it. Didn't doesn't even mention what the fuck this is about. So basically what it's saying is that if you um, are unsuccessful at getting a sexual partner, you will overcompensate in other areas of your life and develop characteristics that will actually then potentially lead to you getting a partner. Uh, no. Okay. But good try. 
I mean, you 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 had like you know you were kind of like a fifty percent on fifty percent off, and because of and it's all because of neuropeptide F. That was it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this question: Do you think that insects get stressed over dating? Uh, yes, I would say yes. Okay. So scientists um, uh, in this study have played Cupid, or rather. Anti-Cupid. By the way, uh, I got ChatGPT to write this whole this whole section. Okay, and I thought it was pretty cute. Okay, so scientists played Cupid, or rather, anti-Cupid, uh, <laughs> pairing male Drosophila melangaster. Let's just get the uh, the correct pronunciation there. Um, Drosophila melanogaster. All right, let's say it one more time uh, slower. Drosophila melanogaster. Drosophila oh, melanogaster, and that's just fancy, fancy speak for fruit flies. Oh, okay. God, I hate fruit so, flies. So scientists uh, uh, played anti-Cupid pairing male fruit flies with females who just weren't that into them. Saw something recently, side note, not sure if it's true, it was on Instagram, that uh, f- when you get your shit from the grocery store, that uh, fruits in particular, like bananas mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. carry a lot of fruit flies, they're on the bananas when you get them. You wash the banana peel, you wash the bananas, and you'll get far less fruit flies coming from your bananas. Ooh, nice. Great. You can cool. also put them in the oven at 400 for 25 minutes, and then... That'll, boom, that'll, ki- that'll fucking that'll, fry those yeah, fuckers right yeah, off. that'll probably do yeah. the two, too. Yeah, I mean, so either sure way, so... so you can also uh, drop Six them to one, half dozen to the other, you yeah, know? Yeah. Wash you them or cook them. You can also yeah. dip your bananas in bleach right before you eat them. Yeah. That's right. You can also, if you just buy bagged frozen fruit, then uh, no fruit flies. Dude, that's the ultimate hack right there. It is. So yeah. scientists took uh, male fruit flies and they were like, they were trying to pair them with female fruit flies and the female fruit flies were like, not this scrub. Um, um, I feel like this, I feel like this whole study was basically like they created this like, um, this, this really mean prank dating show on, uh, for fruit flies. So here's the key findings from romance to stress. Frustrative like states. The rejected male flies entered this state where they're super motivated to mate, but they keep failing. Mm-hmm. It's like continuously swiping right and never getting a match. So then they go to the gym. This leads to less social interaction. No wingman for these guys. <laughs> That's a good one, right? Wingman? That is a good one. Fly. Uh, n- uh, more aggression. What is this? A bar fight for ants? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, a sort of depression. So cue the tiny violins. Right. <laughs> and then ultimately expected to teach children to learn how to read. And then ultimately they can't even fit inside going the to the fruit fly school and getting a business degree. Wreaking havoc. Oh, okay. oh whoa. Oh, Holy shit. Oh, Holy shit. Whoa. That was way worse. Than <laughs> it was a school shoot. It was a school shooting we're, joke. We're gonna have to have a chat that, after this. That'll have to be cut. Um, so their health sure. takes a hit. These loveless experiences aren't just a hit to their ego. Uh, they actually make the flies less able to handle life's other stresses. Hunger and oxidative stress become harder to cope with. This indicates that the stress of rejection not only affects their behavior, but also their physiological resilience. Basically, heartbreak is turning these flies into stressed out little messes. Role, uh, so here's the role of the neuropeptide F, NPF receptor neurons. The study highlights the involvement of a small population of neurons expressing receptors for the fly uh, homolog of neuropeptide Y, neuro, or neuropeptide F, I think that's a typo. These neurons appear to mediate the fly's increased sensitivity to starvation 
and heightened social arousal following rejection. So here's the implications, the bigger picture in a tiny world. Social stress in micro size. The research, this research is groundbreaking in de demonstrating the existence of social stress in flies. It suggests that like humans, social interactions and the success or failure of these interactions can have a significant impact on flies. It's like high school drama, but in a Petri dish. The love stress connection. There's a link between the quest for love, stress responses, and the health in these flies, suggesting broader biological principles at play. Who knew flies could teach us about the complexities of love and health? Simplify, science simplified through flies. So this is, this is the part that I thought was really cool. Using fruit flies, the study unravels complex interactions between emotions, stress, and health, which might be, a trickier, which might be much trickier to study in, in higher organisms. But they, so they took this info with flies and really just kind of dumbed it down, made it super simple and went, well, if this is happening here, it's very likely that it's happening here, but it's much harder to get the stats, get the results mm -hmm. when we're talking about, you know, and when mm -hmm. I say here, I mean like us. Um, so the science behind it all, the nitty gritty. <laughs> That's another good little I got, fun I, Yeah, I got I that. I didn't really get that. Knit, uh, like knit the, is a, like it's a, it's like a, bug. it's a, yeah, oh. it's, it's the, it's like a young little bug. Right. Uh, the researchers used a courtship suppression paradigm. I thought that was a gnat. Um, basically setting up male flies to be rejected by females and observing their behaviors and health. The rejected males show persistent efforts to mate, changing changes in social behavior, increased aggression, and most importantly, a diminished capacity to handle stress. The role of uh, specific neurons and neuropeptides was explored to understand the physiological underpinnings of the observed uh, behavioral changes. So the, in, the, in this study, they actually uh, they, I, they had, they had photos from the, from the lab. I thought this photo was fucking super interesting. They used obviously macro, was it macro photography to like get a nice yep. like close-up shot? So just to set the mood, let's, um, let's get some music here, okay? I think we might have to so blur these photos. We on, might. Uh, we actually. YouTube. We actually might have to blur it. So here we go. This is directly from <laughs> the from the lab. So you can see here, we have two. They they set up this cute little apartment. Oh my god, dripping. Um, and if you haven't if you haven't watched the, the show on YouTube, you're you're not going to want to miss this. There are two fruit flies fucking on a little fruit fly bed, um, and it's kind of hard to see from where we are. But if you're on a computer screen, you can probably see up close. There's a bottle of lube on the table there. They have. <laughs> Looks like some laun like some uh, fruit fly lingerie. Did you handcuffs? Did you now hey, hold on. Is this I didn't one, make this? Is this, this one is on the ceiling? Is this one? Is this oh. one not enjoying it and he's stressed, or is he being cucked and he likes it? That's so. So that is the fruit fly who was who didn't get the fuckies, and he's he's actually crying. Oh, you he's see tears. Uh, Sorry, I and, thought he was. Oh, look at that. You can even see there's a camera there, so they're they're actually videotaping it with a little tiny fly camera. That's right. There's bondage stuff on the wall there, and they're fucking. To a sex scene from The Fly, David Cronenberg's uh, amazing film, The Fly, with with Jeff Goldblum. Wow, yeah. There's so many. There's so many little tidbits that I was unable to pick up immediately when this came on. I'm good for you. Good for you. It took me about uh, it took me about an hour to make that. <laughs> Gen yeah. Genuinely, I know impressed. that like before we started recording, you were like you were like guys. I spent way too long prepping this episode, and now I understand just because of that. <laughs> so, uh, conclusion: A fly's love life more complex than you might have thought. The study opens up a new avenues in understanding how the failure to obtain a natural reward, such as sexual success, can lead to significant behavioral and psychological changes. It highlights the complex interactions between reward systems, stress responses 
and reproductive success even in as simple an organism as the fruit fly. So, so next time you see a fruit fly on your yeah, fucking bananas, just know that little guy got feelings. He he wants to fuck too. And you yeah. probably shouldn't kill him. <clears throat> just let him. Let him try to get that. You know, and eat the banana. You know, I, I I know that I made a I, I know that I made a school shooting joke in poor taste. I understand that, but honestly. <laughs> The, like this is the I'm just, not going to say I loved and, it and, and I just and, think and, about I'm not going to say our, I loved it until uh, we're done recording right. I think about all of our angry Kentucky fans that like I'm just worried might come up here after this and I mean all the like all the all the, the, the this is actually but it is it, obviously like the school shooting yeah. stuff and like people who you know they, they fucking go in and, and shoot up schools there's a ton of factors that are going into what's going on with somebody who goes and does that it's not like you could boil it down to one thing but it seems there seems to be a thread of like societal rejection and yeah. the aftermath of like or the buildup of symptoms that arise sure. from social rejection and and in and America fe- and, and in a, female rejection yeah. in particular and in America rejection. if you don't have the proper ways to manage your anger, you know you you, you turn out to be a Bill O'Reilly or or worse. But fucking being a Bill O'Reilly is pretty much the worst. Yeah, thing yeah, that there is. But yeah, you're basically just a shell with a bunch of yeah. money. So. Yeah. Isn't that uh, isn't that interesting though that that uh, that study that people just were like let's 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 see if uh, let's see if fruit flies get sad when they can't when their dating life sucks. <laughs> 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 Fucking hilarious. That, that would actually be interesting to talk about Ooh, at a dinner yeah, party totally. though. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like I mean, yeah. you'd have to change that title up. There a are a whole bit, swath but... of people that would that that I agree with you. There's so many people that don't. I think I think it's all in the delivery. Like if you can tell a good I mean, if they had that the, is that's the, the part of that's the part of PhD researchers that is often lost. If that they I had, found in talking to, to researchers is that they sometimes had, they can't communicate it. Or often they, they can't communicate the it. The image well. that you Oh, we've had a lot of found, PhD people Jared? on here that have that communicated quite Oh well. no, on yeah. here. Yeah. But we're we've got we're lucky. talking to the we're usually talking yeah. to the people that are out yeah. there in the world talking about yeah, it. Yeah, you true, know, when you true. there there are thousands of people with PhDs yeah. that are like in the lab, they don't like really communicate about it. Science communication is a skill. Totally. For sure. Uh let us move on to this week's edition of <laughs> And uh big shout out producer of the week goes to uh to Aaron, uh Kira's mother for sending <laughs> this one Great. my way. Um this is a fucking fascinating medical uh success. A 34-year-old man named David Bauer had a very rough go last year. Uh, He required a double lung transplant after he was diagnosed with a a potentially fatal infection after years of smoking and vaping. Uh, Just blowing ghosts. Uh, The surgical team at at Northwestern Medicine removed Mr. Bauer's lungs after influenza and a secondary infection severely damaged them which required the surgical team to create an artificial lung to keep him alive. So all of this is like uh, pretty standard. An iron lung? Uh, not quite. No, um, but I mean, kind of, this, kind of a similar idea. Um, so what I gathered was that this guy had such an infection that they had to open him up, take his lungs out to put new lungs in. But there was so much infection in him at the time of taking the lungs out that they couldn't just put the, the new lungs in. They had to allow time for the infection that was in to be like treated which mm-hmm. isn't gonna like it's not like a, they just give it a good wash and throw the lungs in the same day it's like it's gonna take some time before mm-hmm. they can put the new lungs in so um back to the article here this wasn't just any double lung transplant using a combination of new technology and quick thinking 
They totally fucking MacGyvered this thing, or I would say MacGrubered it. Uh, the doctors said Definitely. Wednesday that the success of Bauer's procedure may help other patients with acute lung infections in need of a lung transplant. Did they put a tiny piece of celery in his butt? <laughs> Even funnier, doctors placed double D breast implants in the man's chest cavity to support his heart while his body cleared the infection. No way. Yeah. Really? So, quote, this innovative procedure now can allow us to help patients who need lung transplants but are too sick to immediately undergo that procedure. And Kit Barat. MD, Chief of Thoracic Surgery and Director of the Northwestern Medicine Canning Thoracic Institute, said during a press conference, quote, taking the lungs out and supporting the body while the body recovers from the bad infection could help create a path for many patients who are otherwise quite sick. Can you ex- can you explain like what what that looks like? I can't really picture it in my head. Like, the double D's? Like, well, <laughs> or No, I can picture that fine. Um, I'm just wondering like how you said so that supports or like create space for the heart to work. Yeah. So, so, well, I, I mean, I'm too fucking dumb. I don't like, know. Are they, are they putting them, the implants like inside you? They're not just like putting, like giving him breast implants. Well, I, I would, supp- no, no. Yeah. They were they're just, like using yeah. implant sort right. of like the way the, because they're, they can sort of form into generally or roughly the, the size of like lungs yeah, so in your I, body so that they like keep that cavity that's open. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think that, um, I think that's the that's the thing where it's like his lungs were providing a support for his heart mm-hmm. that is important, I guess, like structurally because of the cavity. Mm-hmm. And so they can't just like leave the heart in there sort of dangling without anything kind of holding it. Yeah. But but and typically with a lung transplant, it's like they take the lungs out. They obviously have some sort of, you know, whatever. They're like holding the heart in place and while they re reattach the new lungs. But this guy's like going to go, I don't know, let's say like he goes two weeks without a fucking set of lungs in his heart and he's in mm-hmm. a coma. They need to have something in there that there that's going to like support his heart. Um, but up to this point, it's not really a typical thing. Um, and and it, this is literally like, you know, if, if most people that were typically in this situation would probably just die because they there's so much infection and they don't have a way to support the heart over that. Right. A long so like, period of time. Like if I'm going on an overseas flight and I want to check a bag into the underbelly of the airplane and I have like a very sensitive like glass vase inside that bag. A vase. A vase. If it's um if that's like the heart and and I just put only that in the bag right. and it's then check crushed. it, it's gonna get all fucked but up. But if you put a bunch of underwear in there or a bunch of double D breast implants. Or the yeah. Then like yeah. the chances of it probably even, probably higher chances. Of that's uh, I mean that I feel like that's a perfect analogy yeah. of what's happening. So, here. so more context here, Bauer. I didn't hear it, but I bet it was Bauer who uh, who works in landscaping. Um, smoked a pack of cigarettes a day from age twenty one until switching to vaping in two thousand twenty four. He started to experience shortness of breath in April and went to an urgent care center where he was diagnosed with influenza and quote a little bit of pneumonia. Well, they really did him dirty by by mentioning vaping at the at the at the uh, yeah. in the at the top of the article. Yeah, and they're like, like, and he switched to vaping two weeks ago. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's like a subtle way. No, to no, say no. That he all switched the vaping to vaping kids. in 2014. Oh, you said 2024. Oh, sorry, sorry. Is that what I said? Sorry, I meant 2014. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sorry. damn, dude, it's yeah. still the first yeah. month of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so that pneumonia turned out to be drug resistant. Um, in May, his condition had worsened and he was having trouble walking. So his girlfriend, Susan, took him to an uh, emergency department in St. Louis and he was admitted to the hospital and placed on 
uh, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, also known as ECMO. And actually, ECMO is something that Kira has uh, has worked with for years in her time at the the ICU. Um, here's a photo of the ECMO machine. So basically, an ECMO is a, a device that that where blood is pumped outside of your body to a heart lung machine that removes carbon dioxide and sends oxygen filled blood back into the tissues of the body that's crazy so you basically don't need to breathe because it's putting the oxygen into your blood uh i think you still need to breathe but yeah it's like doing a lot of the breath work for you right so like i mean you still do the function for maybe other reasons yeah maybe i can uh, ask Kira. we're too dumb to know your your lungs probably if your your lungs probably still need to move yeah and and um, in this case, this guy didn't did take them this out? guy didn't have any lungs, so yeah. he had an artificial lung. But it, I I don't think the ECMO is the artificial lung. Okay, um, but that but is interesting though, because like, that is the function of the lungs. It's maybe just it is oxygen. It's just to blood. deliver it yeah. to the blood. So. Right. So like, if you have that machine, then maybe you don't need your lungs. I think you do. Good question. I, I don't do. know. I mean, I'll, I'll ask, I mean, they I'll took ask they took his lungs yeah. out. They put in breast implants. And uh, wasn't they there some guy like in the comments the, on YouTube? Uh, leave a comment. Uh, do, do you need lungs? Have wasn't you got there? Uh, Why wasn't there something? Wasn't there something? Uh, I think it might have been Portable a CF ECMO. patient that got a double lung transplant, and they they actually didn't have lungs in for like for like six hours or something like that. Yeah. Well, this guy probably would have been even longer because of the infection. Yeah, so, dude. This which, guy, which isn't typical. But I think that that was like fairly recently, like within the yeah. last couple of years. And it was, it was big news yeah. that they, that they did, that they could have their lungs out for yeah. such a long period of time. Well, this guy uh, on the ECMO, his condition just continued to worsen. Um, and Raid Tomic, an MD, a, pul- a pulmonologist uh, and medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Canning Thoracic Institute, lung transplant program said that when doctors from St. Louis called Bauer's lungs had started to liquefy. If you looked at his x-ray, there was nothing left. The lungs were completely filled with pus. Doctors at Northwestern were confident that they could help Bauer, but were unsure he could survive the transplant without the growing infection being cleared. In addition to the infection, Bauer's heart also stopped at least once and he had to be revived. Quote, it was clear to us that something had to be done, Barrett said, of the strategy to clear the infection in his lungs and chest cavity. The surgical team created an artificial lung to keep his heart pumping and keep him alive. Quote, once we took the lungs out, we realized that now we've got to support the heart, Barrett said. That's where some of the innovative thinking came about. We were looking for the biggest thing that will fit in there in his chest cavity, and he has a big chest cavity, and hence the double D implants. Within 24 hours of listing him for a transplant, surgeons received an offer and were able to implant the lungs in Bauer, who had fully recovered from the procedure. Quote, despite his heart stopping, we were able to get him back. And then soon after we listed him, we found a perfect match. So, you know, a lot of stars aligned and clearly he was very lucky. So, here is Man. a photo of, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Mr. Bauer. Uh, this is him uh, just a few days after the, trans- uh, after the lung transplant. That looks not, great. That's not that's... actually him. <laughs> oh, I was like, are you for real? It's, uh, <laughs> that's a few really funny. days after the transplant. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think we're uh, I think we I think we just got demonetized. <laughs> Guys, can you uh, imagine? Here, here, hold on. Here's an actual photo. This is him with uh, Dr. Barat. 
Um, and uh, and wow. he's he's look he's looking fucking wow. great. He's looking Dude, great. He looks remarkably young. Yeah, for having smoked a pack of cigarettes yeah. a day for how he's, long? I mean, he's thirty four. For how? Over a decade. Started smoking when he was. Uh, Pack a day, dude. 21 yeah. years old to 34. Pack a day. Yeah. And vaping and blowing ghosts. I don't think that that, like, I mean, it's a lot, obviously, but I think for people who smoke a lot, I don't think that that is. A pack like, a day? I feel like my mom's. I feel like a pack a day is like a, yeah, smoking. it's kind of like a, yeah, I smoke. Really? I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I especially know. if you think about people on job how many, sites and like. I mean, I do a pack day, of Zins like, a day, so. How, how, <laughs> how many smokes are in a cigarette? Or in a, how many cigarettes are in a, a no pack? 20? Alexa, if you, or, uh, computer, how many cigarettes are in a pack of cigarettes? According to an Alexa Answers contributor, there are 20 cigarettes in a pack. So if you smoke a pack a day, you're smoking a lot of cigarettes. Did that answer 20, your question? 20 cigarettes, there you go. 20? So like, if you imagine, um, you know, somebody doing like an eight hour shift at, at like the trade center where we worked and people were taking smoke breaks, like, dude, they would go like every that means you're 45 taking, minutes to an hour. No, but then you'd have to be, no, you'd have to be doing less than eight. Well, that's like eight to ten on a shift. And you'd have then, to be doing. You'd have to be doing like three an hour. Every twenty minutes, taking a smoke. Like, dude, that's crazy. I mean, if I was Maybe. a smoker, that's probably what I'd be doing. Um. <laughs> anyway, fuck, that's nuts. That's that's, uh, lot, yeah. that's this week's edition of Feel Good Friday. Don't so, smoke. So, uh, so yeah, don't smoke or just do it infrequently. If you and do, uh, just, and if you're gonna be angry, tone it down. Be uh, be less Bill O'Reilly. Be more. Uh, be more Japanese about it. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's give a big thank you to all of you who listen to the show and all of you who, you know, love rolling with the punches and love the the fact that uh, we can have jokes about these things that uh, that sometimes aren't typically joked about. Um, uh, that's what makes this show great. So so and and hey and and if you really want to if you want to and if you don't agree with that, come on over to YouTube. Leave a leave a leave a nasty comment. Let's get those comments popping <laughs> yeah. off. Um, if you're angry about today's episode, <laughs> let us know in the comments on YouTube. Um, and then maybe just take a breath and think about maybe what that says about you. Yeah. Um, and mm. uh, and big shout out to all of our uh, all of our Discord members. If you want to come join the community over on Discord, it is uh, it's popping off even more than the the comment section here on YouTube. So you can do that. Link is in the show notes of every episode. Um, and a big uh, even bigger shout out to everybody who has ever left a rating or review of the podcast. And you can still do that wherever you find rating or reviews on things like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that shit. And we are, we're recording with guests. We record all the time. We put out new episodes with people that we record with. And if you want to be one of those people that records with us, you can go over to our website, sickboypodcast.com. Click on the form, fill it up, and be on the show. Thank you, as always, to the folks who helped make the show happen. Uh, Annika, our production assistant, we are really grateful for your support and help. Uh, Richard Coin. For the theme music, Jeff Lonis, our manager, Donovan the Seat, Pat Morgan, for his help on our Monday episodes. We love all of you guys. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.